So the power of faith along with works. As Christians, our faith is our very foundation. By faith, we accept God's love for us. And that lays the foundation for our identity as Christians. Our lives begin to change the instant we believe and accept by faith what God has done for us. So exactly what is faith? Let us look to the manual of the creator, his word, to define it for us. We will begin by reading Hebrew chapter 11, verse 1, and this is coming from the English Standard Version. And it reads, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So this is telling us that faith is hoping for something with expectation. It is not if it is going to happen, it is when it is going to happen. And as we wait with conviction for that thing to happen, we work towards it. We are praying for it without ceasing. We are believing. Yes, we are even expecting it to happen. But all the while, we are seeking God's direction on how to work in harmony with the fulfillment of that which we are believing God for through prayer and through his instruction manual. Sister Lisa, the Bible. Sister Lisa always says, read the manual. Amen. But there is an even more important reason why we must have faith. So let us look at verse 6 of Hebrew chapter 11. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So, clearly, we have to have faith in God. Why would you ask something from someone that you have no belief and faith in? Why? So, let us begin by looking at some truly amazing things that have happened because of faith that some believers in the past had in the Lord. And we're going to begin that journey looking at Matthew chapter 9, verses 18, and we're going to go through 29. All right. Matthew 9, 18. While he was saying these things, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died. But come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. Can you imagine the faith that this man had in Jesus? But he didn't sit at home and lament. He heard that the Lord was coming through, and he went to seek the Lord for that blessing, for that miracle in faith. And and Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who has suffered a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, 
if I only just touch his garment, I will be made well. <laughs> Sisters, ministers, pastors, to have a menstrual period for 12 consecutive years with no break is something else. But she got up, she found out the Lord was coming through, and she said, if I could just touch anything regarding him, I'm going to be healed. She knew it. Well, in another account of this situation, Jesus says, I felt power come out of me. Who touched me? He said that. But here in 22, it says, Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly, after 12 years of brutality, the woman was made well. So now, when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, you know, they're, they're knowing that someone has died here, so they're going through all the ceremonial mournings and everything. He said, go away, for the girl is not dead, she's sleeping. So they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl rose. And the report of this went through all that district. The faith of her father to go and seek the Lord and Jesus' grace and mercy to stop what he was doing and turn around and go back to raise this daughter from the dead. All in itself is such a big, it's so much to just take in. Yes. So in 27, as Jesus passed on there, two blind men followed him, crying loud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came in with him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. Amen. Then he touched their eyes saying, not eyes be healed. That's not what he said. He said, according to your faith, may it be done Yay. to you. According to your faith, not eyes start seeing. Wow. They followed him. They didn't care where he was going. They were going. Amen. Amen. All right. Glory to the Lord. So, again, I say, works. The word says works. Go along with that faith that we have to make it all come together. And each time that those people got their blessing, it was because of faith with works. Okay, so now, let's look at James chapter 2. And verses 17 and 18. James 2, 17 and 18. And it says, So also, faith by itself, if it does not have work, it is dead. But someone will say, Okay, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith 
by my words. When you look at me and see what I'm doing, you will know I have faith. That is what this says. Absolutely. So we must have faith. We have to have it, and we must have works to go along with it. So now, what might be some things that we might be faithfully believing God for today? Well, before we even get around to those, let's remember to actually ask the Lord. Let's look at James 4, 2, and see why that's important. In James chapter 4, verse 2, it tells us, you desire and you don't have, so you murder. You covet and you can't obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Isn't that the first work? How you going to get something that you didn't ask for? Not even willing to ask God, are we? But yet, in the world that we live in today, many people just blame God for everything. They don't even remember there is a God until something happens that they don't like. And then, all of a sudden, why this? Why God let this happen to me? Why did God do this to me? Why don't I have this? Did you even ask? That's the beginning. Okay, so now let's say that we are believing God for a spiritual God-fearing husband or wife. So how are we working toward that upcoming blessing? Women of God. Have we familiarized ourselves with the scriptures? For example, in Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, where it talks about the qualities that a capable wife possesses. Are we working to fit that description in order to be qualified for that God-fearing husband that we are believing God for? Men of God, if you are believing for a spiritual God-fearing wife, have you familiarized yourself with scriptures such as 1 Peter 3, 7, or Colossians 3, 19, or Ephesians 5, 25 through 28, so that you are a fitting husband for the spiritual God-fearing wife that you are believing in God for? Surely we don't expect our loving Heavenly Father to deliver his faithful servants into the hand of a male fire-breathing dragon to sit, being condescending to his wife, or a wife with a sharp, emasculating tongue that disrespects and demeans her husband. Do we? So, as we are faithfully believing for God's blessings, we continue to work towards those blessings so that we can receive them sooner or later. There's a, there's a husband and a wife for the fire breather and the, the sharp tongue one. That's the one you want? Oh, okay. What about once we receive that spiritual God-fearing spouse? Do we then just check off that box and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I have faith. I knew you could come through. Thank you. All right, check. Next, on to the next request. That is not how that goes. Now comes the part where we show our gratitude to the Lord by working towards the success of the union that we were blessed with. 
So let's look at Ecclesiastics chapter 4, verse 12. I miswrote. It's not 2, it is 12. That's what's Minister Mandel. Ecclesiastics 4 and 12. Okay. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. But a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So now we are husband and wife. But we need that third strand, which is God, to keep the marriage strong. Again, read and practice the manual. The word of God, who is the creator of love. He will show us how to love each other perfectly, thus sealing that bond of marriage. Amen. How many of you know that if I take these two strands and I do this little twist like we girls sometimes like to do, if I don't braid that part at the bottom, it's just going to unravel, isn't it? But if I take three and make an actual braid, then it's going to stay. It may get frizzy, but it's going to stay in there unless I take it a loose. Now, God, as the cord, is the strong one in the relationship that's binding those two together. And we can't leave that out. All right. So are we faithfully believing God for physical healing? While we are waiting... How might we work towards that healing? Let's see what God's view is of the body that he gave us. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. And it says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. Amen. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Amen. So with that in mind, let's look at this short video clip called The Sad Story, The Sad Sugar Story. This is the sad story of excess sugar in our lives. Sugar in a child's brain is called ADHD. Sugar in an adult's brain is called dementia and Alzheimer's. Sugar in your eyes is called glaucoma. Sugar in your teeth is called cavities. Sugar on your skin is called wrinkles. Sugar in your sleep is called insomnia. Sugar in your blood is called diabetes. Too much sugar in your system is called cancer. Sugar in your snacks and food is called a billion dollar industry. Increasing sugars in our society is high profits for pharmaceutical companies. Sugar is eight times more addictive than cocaine. It lays the foundation of your end game. How about that? And let me tell you, Sister Maybell has a mean sweet tooth. But I have never had the effects of sugar on health laid out so clearly. And let me tell you, it is really something that we just cannot ignore. So 
could we maybe start by cutting back on some of the foods that poison our bodies to be a little bit more health conscious while we are looking for physical healing? And now, let me give you a modern day testimony on how faith combined with works is very powerful. And I'm gonna tell you a true story about someone who was very close to me and was diagnosed with colon cancer. This person went for a colonoscopy and was diagnosed with colon cancer. After seeking a second opinion, all involved agreed that he needed to have 18 inches of his intestines removed. That's a ruler and a half. They also said that a possible side effect may be that he would either temporarily or permanently have to wear an ostomy pouch. Now, an ostomy pouch is necessary when you can no longer pass feces the regular way, okay? So they cut a hole somewhere else in your body and then they place a special bag or pouch over that hole so that the feces can pass from that hole into that pouch. Then you must go and change it after you have a bowel movement. Wherever you are, on the bus, on the plane, outside, on the bus, how humiliating. And now, having that image in your mind for having that happen to anyone, let alone someone whose job involves overseas traveling. Imagine that. So this, of course, was shocking and devastating news to that person. And he said, no way. This can't happen this way. Please help me pray for some type of miracle to happen because I cannot live this way. Well, fortunately for him, he came from a very God-fearing family that's full of pastors and ministers and other spiritual leaders. So he called his family in Africa, and they began to intercede on his behalf. They went into spiritual warfare. And have anybody has ever seen that? I have really seen that happen. And in Africa, when people do that, woo, they get together and they don't stop. And they grab hands and they begin to bounce on, their, on the toes of their feet. And they start praying. Some are laying down with their face to the ground. And they really get into it. Spiritual warfare is a serious thing. And they were praying and they were fasting to cure this awful disease. Meanwhile, his sister informed him that she sees a botanist and that her botanist wanted him to come to Africa and take some natural herbs that he would mix himself, especially for that particular health condition. Now, a botanist studies the properties and life processes of plants. So he was specialized in the various medicinal properties of plants. He flew to Africa, and I went there with him. We visited the botanist together. This botanist had previously taught his craft in the university there in Africa. But now he owned his own family business, and he 
specialized in natural medicinal cures. So the botanist and his family gathered the appropriate natural plants and herbs, and for starters, after they finished all the mixing and the cooking and everything, they gave him three 16-ounce water bottles, the small ones. They gave him those bottles full of the medicinal herbs that they had created. And I watched them myself boil this in their small kitchen in a humble home in a rural area of Lagos, Nigeria, and then package it up. They gave him that and the instruction regarding dosages, etc., as well as some vegetables that he needed to add to this diet regularly. They also advised him, of course, to cut back on sugar, even avoiding it as much as possible. I flew back home to the U.S., and his doctor's office kept calling with such urgency. It was scary. They kept saying how he really needed to get back and get treated before the cancer spread to the point where it was either unmanageable or uncurable. Several months later, he returned from Africa and he went back to his doctors. And they were like, oh my God, sir, come on, we gotta run some tests and see now what the updated state of your health is. They said the cancer may have spread dramatically through your body. Brethren, to God is my witness, I swear. He, I'm standing in his house. The doctors could not find cancer in T. Well. Hallelujah. God is so great, praise him. Even today, all the glory be to the Lord. Is that not a modern-day testimony and miracle? That is a miracle. Yes, it is. And I wish you could have seen the shock and confusion on the faces of that medical team. Cancer Treatments of America gives you a medical team. They come in, with, and they all have their specialties, and they all have their parts. And when you go sit in to talk to them, you go into a conference room, and they all have their folders and everything, and they deal with you one at a time. And they could say nothing but, huh? huh. I was blessed to have witnessed such an event in my lifetime. Amazing. Are you faithfully believing for healing of the heart and spirit? In other words, are you suffering from emotional trauma causing you to feel heartsick? This normally happens when people we love and trust have let us down, disappointed us or abandoned us, or when we lose someone to death or lose our livelihood due to loss of job and all the stresses that come with that situation. If you are believing God for emotional heart and spirit healing, get in his word. Get on your knees. Let him lift you up. I have got a beautiful scripture for you. Let us go to Psalms chapter 34 and verse 18. Psalms 34 and 18. 
And here it reads, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Is that not a beautiful and straightforward hug of comfort from the Lord? Let's give God a praise clap for that. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you. Glory be to the Lord. And while we're on that, let's just have one more. Let's look now in Psalms chapter 30 and verse 5. For, let me make sure I end the right. For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. All right, but that's not what I wanted to read, so now I'm going to tell you what it says. Weeping might stay a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. That's what I meant to read. So go right ahead and weep. Why not? Take heart and then dry your tears. Having faith that your morning is surely coming. Glory be to the Lord. And finally, what about when our faith is brutally tested and we find ourselves feeling weak and weary? What happens when we end up on our knees begging the Lord, give us faith, Lord, help us get our faith back where it needs to be? Now that, that's a very uncomfortable place to be as a Christian. Some Christians feel really embarrassed and ashamed because especially if you've been serving the Lord for a while, you know faith is basic, so it's like, how could I? I need to do something about this. This is not okay. All right. Well, let's see what the Lord says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. All right. So, don't we serve an awesome God? Lord, he is awesome. Maybe if we simply embrace our weaknesses instead of feeling embarrassed by it, because we know that the God's strength will surely intensify on our behalf and become even more powerful. Then God will truly get all the glory because others will see his power magnified within us. They will marvel just like those cancer doctors did at how he has pulled us through to victory because of our faith in him. Yes. 